return to the kingdom of the world that we returned to, but then it fell. It's Isla Armageddon, and there's only one chiseled jaw that can save the day. It's Jurassic World, colon, fallen kingdom. Mike Wynn, how are you? Wow, welcome, welcome. I... Wow, I'm doing so. so I'm doing so good. Um, I, I feel like I finally have the home field advantage. You do. Uh, welcome, Jurassic Pod listeners and everyone out there. It's a podcast, 65 million years in the making, and the fourth most popular Jurassic Park podcast on the internet. In this show, we excavate, theorize, and decipher the evolution of the Jurassic Park films and their fandom. If you're just joining the show, welcome. If you're binging, thanks for binging. Um, we, Mike, we are. We're in a different location. We are not at the 30th Street Studios. We are in your home in, what are we going to call this studio? Um, I, I mean, we say 30th Street Studios because it's 30th Street. You live on 30th yeah, Street. Yeah, it's very creative. This is Pleasant Ridge Drive. So Pleasant uh, Ridge Drive Studios. <laughs> it just rolls off the In tug. the crap part of Holland. <laughs> The north side. The north side. We are on the north side. You know what? Uh, I do appreciate the aesthetic. I think it's nice to be in a new space. We have the string lights. We have these windows open on your... Is this a three seasons porch or four? Four. Te- technically four. a four it's, season It's heated, porch. yeah. It's heated. It's it's very nice. I feel this like we're sold really... the house 100%. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so nice. The environment. It's a beautiful summer day. Um, I think we've 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 ended up watching and recording on some of the most beautiful days of the year, which is ironic. Um we are talking about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It's the second installment of the Jurassic World reboots. It's the fifth Jurassic Park movie in the franchise. Again, this is this is a rewatch podcast. We are going to have more episodes than just rewatch episodes that we've been doing. Um, so stay tuned for, for more things to come. I'm just uh, really impressed. Uh, I'm just speaking to the eight people that have uh, found their way to this episode. Yes. Um, Really impressed that you got here. Um, yes, thanks for getting, getting I, here. I record this podcast. Uh, I haven't even listened to all of the episodes. So <laughs> you were there though at the time I, of. I recording. mean, I, I was there, but I also like to hear myself. So yeah, that's it. It's been a journey, and much like Falling Kingdom, thanks for going on the ride uh, because it's been it's been crazy, and I've enjoyed it. We will, of course, eventually cover dominion jurassic world colon dominion which will be coming out next year um is that going to be the last one we don't know Uh, but this is the last full-length feature film that we can cover in a rewatch format um and it's just mike and i today really getting into it um to experiencing it um we have no one to read our business blurb i'm gonna read it um it's gonna be hard to do the work but i'm gonna do the work i'm not comfortable doing the work. do you want me to do the work sure you, you go ahead and do, do the work. I've never done any once. work on this podcast. It's at the bottom there for you. Okay. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, rate, and review. And then unsubscribe, resubscribe, <laughs> re-rate, and re-review. We really want to like just make the numbers not be accurate. Right. We're really trying to right. do I think I think can. you should subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And then head over to Spotify where you should subscribe, rate, and review. And then download some other like wicked third-party 
podcast app, subscribe, rate, and review. Yep. Go on Stitcher, subscribe, rate, and review. All of them. All of them. Do it. So that more Jurassic heads can discover us. Jurassic Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can get involved in the discussion by visiting www.jurassicpod.com and clicking the Share Your Voice button located over the sexy laying down Ian Malcolm. Mm-hmm. No dinosaurs were harmed in the making of this podcast. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you doing a little bit of the business. Let's get into it. Uh, Fallen Kingdom. Um, like I always have, this is the tradition of what I like to always do is kind of run through some of the box office numbers, Rotten Tomatoes, and a brief synopsis of the film. So I'm going to start with a synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes. Again, Rotten Tomatoes, take it for what it is, it's an aggregator of reviews. But this is how they reviewed Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Jurassic World colon Fallen Kingdom adds another set piece piece packed entry to the blockbuster franchise. Although generally thrilling moments are increasingly in short supply. Ooh, pretty pretty straightforward. Uh there there's a short, there's a short supply throughout this film. Um we don't want to bash this film. We're not here to bash it. We're lovers. What else are we here to do? Um, but there, there, there might be some critical elements. Uh, before we get into some of the, the critical elements and walking through the film, uh, let's look at the box office. I think this is really in- interesting and indicative of where the franchise is going. So, Mike, if you can remember, the first film, Jurassic Park in 19, 1993, had a $63 million budget, um, ended up having a cumulative worldwide gross of just over a billion. 91% certified fresh and Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to fast forward to Jurassic World, which was the movie we just reviewed with our lovely wife. Broke world records at the, yes. box, at the box office. Yes. 2015 had a budget of $150 million. Again, this is estimated. So that's more than double of the original one. Uh, the cumulative worldwide was uh, just over $1.5 billion. Um, so even, even better. Um, 71% certified fresh. Yeah. Uh, I, remember it, I remember when that came out. It was the highest grossing movie of all time. It had like edged out uh, Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. And then the week after that, I think Avengers came out, didn't it? Or um, yeah. not Avengers, but um, Star Wars. Star Wars shortly. probably was pretty shortly. Close. Uh, well, it came that, out later that year. The, yeah, later, later that, on that year. year. So that was, I feel like there was a three or four year window where it was just like bam, bam, bam. Just movies were just beating each other between Star Wars and the Marvel movies. And have you ever played the, the, um, fantasy movie game or the fantasy there's a game that there's an app you can download um and it's like it's like playing fantasy football is this except like you play with the box sportsbet.com yeah it's it, <laughs> you play fantasy it's like fantasy football fantasy sports but with box offices and every week you uh you get a budget of how many how many dollars you can spend and you have to build a lineup of movies and then whoever can it's all about getting the highest box office. And I remember I was playing that game at around the time Jurassic World came out and it was like if you had Jurassic World in your in your lineup. You in your lineup? Yeah. What if I would have probably left Jurassic World on my bench knowing my history of <laughs> football. <laughs> well, it's interesting because that movie was right in that that kind of that peak bubble of big box office numbers. Now let's fast forward to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the movie that we just watched together in your basement and we're about to review um budget 170 million so 20 million more just three years later so bigger budget 
than World, which is makes sense. It's a sequel technically. Um, opening weekend, June twenty fourth. Um, the opening weekend for the first one was just over uh, two hundred uh, million. Um, what do you think the opening weekend of one fifty? Pretty much on the uh, on the nose one forty eight. Um, so less, and then the gross U.S. was much lower than than Jurassic World. Uh, Fallen Kingdom had four hundred seventeen uh, versus Jurassic World had six hundred fifty two. Um, and then the cumulative was ju- over a billion as well, um, but a little bit less. Um, again, Jurassic World was 1.6 billion cumulative worldwide gross. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, 1.3. Yeah, and what's interesting to me, it, it, like hearing those numbers, is 170 million dollar budget. Would you say over 600 million gross yeah. at the box office? Massive success. Absolutely. Oh my gosh! Like Huge. any any studio will sign up for that any day, and it, like crushing it, uh, terrible failure of a movie. Yeah. It, it, again, this is 2018. We're still at the bubble of of these big box office franchise franchises and what they're able to do. We talked about it with Zach Hall on our intermediary podcast about Fast and Furious. This will come up as we talk today. I have some theories. Um, last point I want to make, this is the lowest rated Rotten Tomatoes score out of all the movies so far. 47%. Wow. Three had 49 and Lost World had 53. It's pretty similar to the Metacritic score for this movie. I think Metacritic is 51. Yeah. It's another aggregator. So pretty low uh, overall. From a critic standpoint, this is the probably the worst one close to maybe three do you have the audience score from rotten tomatoes i do not have the audience score but we can look it up actually audience score is 48 percent, so pretty much on the nose so the fans weren't necessarily were agreeing um a lot of times what you'll see when these big franchises the critic scores are much lower than the audience score but this one it's it's pretty in line so mike are you ready to fall into the world of jurassic world fallen kingdom i think that we that there will be an eruption of content for this podcast i think it will be flowing like lava from isla nublar Uh, so let's talk about this opening scene um basically what's happening is quote unquote what we think of as poachers there's an extraction team of uh character actors trying to take out a tooth of the Indominus Rex. Huge issues with this. So I... I liked I liked, I liked the water. I liked how the gate opened. Great. I, thought it, I thought it was nice. Actually, I thought okay. it was nice. All right, let me... Let me, let me just just be kind, okay. Mike. So um, the, the, the concept of the scene, the story that this scene and this opening sequence is telling, I actually really like, okay? Yeah. I think that this is the right place to start. Um, huge issue with the execution of it. Why is there a manned submarine doing this mission? When when we go down to look at uh, the Titanic or whatever it is, it's always an unmanned. Now I get it. The Titanic is at a as a, as is going to be at a depth where um, you probably can't take a manned submarine. But but why are we sending two people down there in Jurassic World? To uncover this dangerous thing, it just is stupid. Stupid. You know, it must have been a budget thing. You know, 
spared expense. They had to spare some expense. They had to spare uh, some expense, so they had to hire people instead of actually. You know what? That, yeah, it's probably. <laughs> uh, it's probably yeah. It it does add to the tension. I do like the water scene. I I like the idea of kind of the the theme of the this movie. And I think my favorite parts was more of the suspense horror aspect. I think they got back to the quality of suspense and horror that I think makes Jurassic Park fun and exciting. Uh, a thing that I, I think is really important to, to, to note in these movies that happens multiple times, but never cheer too early. Uh, the guys, when he's climbing up the ladder, he cheers that he made it to the helicopter. Another time they're climbing up the tunnel, they cheer. Definitely a rule that gets broken. Don't, don't cheer. If you're trying to run away from a dinosaur or any kind of danger, don't cheer once you made it out of like one phase of your retreat. Just, just a tip. Interesting. Is this the first time we've gone back to Isla Nubar twice in a row? Yes. So JP1, Isla Nublar, uh, two and three, Isla Sorna. uh, And then we went back to Isla Nublar. And then now, yes. So first time we've gone back twice in a row. Really interesting. And it's, again, similar to Lost World, where we see a lot of the decay, very quick decay over three years even shorter three years yeah Yeah, i mean they're they're really having fun there the dinosaurs are but the place is gone to shambles uh we cut away to the title sequence that looks like the game of thrones intro at the end of game of thrones intro uh obviously already feels a little dated only two years removed from three three years removed from this movie and then we altered the course of natural history this is a correction. Are you suggesting the Almighty is taking matters in his own hands? Senator, with all due respect, God's not part of the equation, no. What I mean is that in the last century, we amassed a landmark technological power, and we've consistently proven ourselves incapable of handling that power. It's Ian Malcolm. He's returned. Wow. It felt like... It, it felt like uh, parched. Like, like you were parched, and just this cold ice spring water was just like dropped Mm. onto your palate and you're like that that's what i've been missing this whole time it's it's interesting that he came back um i think it's going to be a nod to what dominion's going to be all about i think i think we talked about in jurassic world in our last episode that we're we're missing kind of the trinity characters of the original one there's not that character that holds together the grounds, the morals. Um, there's not that like base layer of character that we kind of need. We've had replacements of an Ian Malcolm, but it was great to see him, even though it's a very small scene and it's at the, the beginning and the end. Um, they probably could have used him in this movie, to, to be to be honest. He probably wasn't as interested. Um, but again, he's our voice of reason sourcing a lot of material from the book kind of of how he talked he doesn't really believe that they should rescue these dinosaurs from the volcano that's yeah he actually had, he actually has a dissenting opinion from what the prototypical hero of the movie uh you know has you know bryce dallas howard's character claire you know she's very much like activist like we need to go and save these animals and ian malcolm's like uh no uh, that's not what we need to do. And this is not uncommon. Ian Malcolm has had this same kind of 
he had a confrontation with Hammond about it. Yeah. Um, he didn't have a confrontation with Claire about this, but uh, Ian Malcolm felt very strongly against Hammond that, no, we just need to leave them alone. And this is where it's interesting to have Ian Malcolm in this movie, to have his character remain true to his beliefs uh, in contrasting with some of the other characters yeah. in the movie. Uh, but I want to make an a interesting point. So this is a hearing, a, a Senate hearing of whether the U.S. government should be involved in the extraction of these animals. And the their opinion of, of that committee is to know we should not be involved. We both said movie over. Yeah, movie's over. This is an act of God. And while, of course, we feel great sympathy for these animals, we cannot condone government involvement on what amounts to a privately owned venture. <laughs> and you know what? You know what? I actually would have enjoyed it. I thought I that... would have been satisfied. We got Ian Malcolm. We had a little bit of a horror scene. They were in the water. You know what? That was, it would have been, would have been one okay, great. One could make the argument that the most unbelievable part of this movie was that the government came to a measured and, and very con, uh, logical conclusion on how to treat this situation. Yeah. And what we did was go ahead and ignore it. For the first, yeah, it's from both sides of the, the aisle, both of them came together to make a very... It was a bipartisan agreement. It was a bipartisan agreement that saved the taxpayer money. Yes. And that was an informed decision that was logical for the preservation of our resources for the earth uh, that right. was that was in in harmony with nature. Yeah. And we did not listen to no. it. We did not listen Somehow to it. Somehow we made that the, that the evil side of this. And I think it's really interesting that this topic came up it's kind of shoved back into the the background of this movie with all the craziness that we'll get to but my wife and i have been watching the disney nature series on disney plus a streaming service that, is that an attenborough production it's similar it's 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 their nature shows but it's interesting we were watching a piece about some of the wildlife preserves in india where there's rhinos and elephants and we were talking about that and I was I was thinking about Jurassic Park and I was thinking about these huge animals like a rhino. Like it doesn't seem like it should be on this earth and it kind of shouldn't. Like the only reason that they're probably still alive, some of these species, is because as humans we decided we have to protect them. Otherwise, humans, if we continue to do the things that we do, we would absolutely destroy them because we are the superior species at this point in time. So it was interesting that that kind of came up in this is there's these, this big activist group that Claire's in charge of basically like really excited people about preserving these creatures. The difference is they're created by humans. They were created by a corporation, even worse, right. their private property, which the government does talk about right. that it's a private property. I they like cannot that, intervene. I like that you brought up uh, the, like the, 20-somethings group that Claire is the head of it because it it really looked like uh, a presidential election had just ended and this was like one of the grassroots offices in like Massachusetts or wherever Iowa Iowa, yeah, yeah. Like and a... all the kids were like oh okay we lost the election now what do we do and Claire walks in and goes we're gonna save the dinosaurs <laughs> it was pretty much like it reminded me of uh like the a scene out of the West Wing where they're at like a campaign office yes. in a small town and and there's like 
there's unnecessary action. We've both worked in offices. It specifically reminded me of the season where Sam in the West Wing, and now we're, this is a totally different podcast now, but Sam in the West Wing, when he decides to go out, spoiler alert, and uh, leave leave the show and run for... Uh, office mayor, in, in I, california yeah, yeah first uh senate or state senate whatever, whatever it is yeah and uh yeah they spend a significant amount of time in that field office or whatever and yeah. i and i've never so i haven't spent a lot of time in a political field office but i've been at nonprofits and i've been at offices we both worked in offices i love the over exuberance of office culture uh that like that doesn't exist like no if you're in an office that much activity is not happening no ever no, no, nowhere is that productive. Yeah, no one's, people are not running around handing papers off. Like it doesn't, offices do not look like that. No. I just, I just, it's one of those movie things that I get why they have to do it. It helps. If they are handing papers off, it's paper, it's, it's copies of emails. And at the bottom it says, please consider the environment when you print this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, that's a whole nother podcast like about uh, office <laughs> culture. Um, so... Here we go. Lockwood. That's pretty much where the good part of this movie ends. I, right? I know. That's like I, a lot of my notes are the first five minutes because I thought there was a lot in there to unpack. And that's my pro- that's probably one of the hard things about this movie is there's these really good nuggets that are connected to the source material that connect well with the movies that that n- are not nostalgic. They are continuations of the ideas of what Jurassic, makes Jurassic so, Park great. So can I make a sports analogy to this? Yeah. Because the, this is the first time that you watch this movie. First time. I, I totally forgot this to say is this. My, this. I've, is my I've never seen time. it. Never seen it. So the what we just got into was the equivalent of uh, you, you start a baseball game and your leadoff hitter gets on and then your second hitter comes up and hits a double. And now you got runners on second and third, no outs. Which is a good thing. Great right? thing. Okay, yeah, I just want to make yeah, it clear. Yeah, it's a good thing. Okay, yeah, I just yeah. make it And then, so you've got three guys that are going to come up to bat who are the, the, the best hitters on your team probably, and they're going to drive in a run. And they all strike out. That's what this movie was. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's... I would say there's somewhat there's someone down the batting order that gets a, a, a single and we'll get there. There's a couple singles in there, but o- overall, there's a lot of swing and misses in, in this movie. Um, so let's talk about what's his name again? Lockwood. Let's talk about Lockwood in general, the character, the whole idea of it. Your thoughts, Mike. Who is this guy? Like, like. No, literally, who is he? I don't. I don't get it's, it. It's fan fiction. It's. It's, it's this so is this is just a fan fiction. It would be like, because basically they're asking that they're bringing up the idea is what if um, Hammond had a partner at the beginning of this whole thing that was just as charismatic and idealistic as him, and they broke up. Which I don't. I don't like? know. I don't. It, it, I think it's. It's not. I like them again. They swing. I think it was a swing. Yeah. Yeah, it might have been a miss. You know what it felt like? It felt like in Harry Potter when you find out later on that Dumbledore had this guy he was working with the whole time. And you're like, oh, Dumbledore is not that great after all. Because he was actually just, it was a partnership that this guy, that he had with some other guy. And Yeah, it takes the magic out of out of it. That's I, a very good pun that you made there. Um, <laughs> literally. It. I just, I was so frustrated with how they chose to... Um, 
to portray this character uh not not frustrated with the performance not frustrated with even the story necessarily but how the how the discontinuity between what uh comes from the original trilogy and the books and what is pretty undisputed on how this all started to how we got here it helps we'll get to the big spoiler of the movie later i think that helped justify it a little bit more in my mind but it it took it took it out of me really early. Like I was like, oh, they're basically trying to make a new Hammond. And and I understand once they we get to the big spoiler, it helps a little bit more. But it that's like such a like small thing that's brushed aside that it really does not matter. So yep. again, another swing and a miss. Um, but again, great actor uh, James Cromwell. Um, he's a great actor. He's been in a ton does of a good things. Job. Um. What do you think of uh, Rafe Spell as Eli Mills, basically the puppeteer who kind of uh, brings Claire and to to co- go back and save these animals? He's kind of the puppet master behind this. He's, yeah. He's basically the idea is this guy's a young guy who's basically using uh, Lockwood's finances to basically restart Jurassic yeah. Park. So I thought his performance was good. My issue is with the writing. I don't understand the motive. Yeah, the motives were were all over the board, especially because in World, they the the InGen was not in this movie. Right. I didn't even see an InGen logo. No. It it's not even talked about, and it's funny because in the last movie, there was almost like there was this higher level of InGen that was yeah. was try, was kind of pulling the strings that right. Doctor Wu was working for, but not not the not the it was just confusing. I think they should have stuck with the higher level of engine. I would have rather them go higher up in the engine corporate ladder to see like what's really happening up there. Yeah. Then kind of make up this fabrication of this whole new character that we never knew about, but apparently was they, and apparently they, the first time they, they opened up the DNA from the mosquito was at his CGI home in Northern California. Beautiful home, (laughs) beautiful, beautiful home. And it needed to be CGI, and we'll we'll find that out. Okay, so Claire is easily convinced to go back to the island. She, of course, has to recruit her former lover and chiseled jaw and spray tanned with tons of makeup, uh, Owen Grady, played by Chris Pratt. Uh, what did you think about these guys? Uh, how are you feeling about their their characters? Did we need to see them again together? I mean, just total lack of chemistry. And I think at this point, the, uh, the production team is in too deep to recast um, either one of them. I think the it, unfortunately, there is just no chemistry between Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt. And I feel like they are playing two totally different movies. They're playing in two totally different movies at times, it feels like. And yeah, it's just Chris, very- Chris Pratt. I would say this performance in this movie is the definition of phoning it in. <laughs> I mean, he is just—he barely is try like trying. Well, saying that, we're never gonna get him as a guest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, I don't mean to bash on actors, but like, it's not necess- its not a hundred percent his fault. Like, there's—he—he's just there to look good, and like, he, I'm sure he worked out a lot for this role, and, and God bless him. But like. Oh, we'll get to we'll get to it later. I do want to. It would be difficult because, like, I think you can blame 
when you look at other really, really poor performances and big, meaningful roles and big budget movies, like the, the, the number one example is always um, Anakin Skywalker, right? And I think, I think the community has come around on that and said, hey, Hayden, 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 he was done dirty. He Hayden was done Christensen dirty. And was done dirty. And, he, and it, you, you actually cast more issues with George Lucas and how he directed that. Chris Pratt is a, an experienced enough actor and, and has played this role already. So yeah. there is there is no uh, hey this is directorial. It's not. Yeah, I think it's also just hard because this was done at the same time as his Garden Guardian of the Galaxy character, and I think he had a lot going on. He had a lot going on, and and this this character in Guard the Guardians of the Galaxy character, which is a much better character, and just it's just a better better movies. Obviously, they're Marvel movies. Um, as Star Lord, it, it this is like a watered down version of it, and it just doesn't make sense. I do want to play some of the the, the dialogue from this uh, scene at the bar where they're drinking Beck's beer, which I almost bought to bring over today, but I just I just couldn't do it. I, I thought this was self aware dialogue enough where it's almost like they know they don't have chemistry and they can't have a heartfelt conversation, and they address it in dialogue. Blue is alive. Jesus, Claire. You raised her, Owen. You you spent years of your life working with her. You're just going to let her die? Well, yeah. Come on, you're a better man than you think you are. You should write fortune cookies. <laughs> right there. I mean, she, so she's good. trying to say the line, you're a better man than you think you are. I, I'm glad you played that because... I have issues with, uh, gosh, I, I really should lay off of Claire, but I do have an issue with Claire, okay? I'll yeah, try she, to be more positive she, as she, you want. So, not on, on the episode today. She is in the house, so if I, I need to bring her down to right, get on my, right. I, I will do that. Yeah. I, will, so I will, my, will call her. My issue with Claire is, and I get people change, but the fact of the matter is, so all of a sudden, your passion is to save these dinosaurs after you orchestrated their ongoing exploitation which is addressed in the movie by by millis yeah yeah and i get it people change people realize their mistakes hammond was looked you know had a little bit different heart well well, we only know what we know as 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 viewers we know her she literally could care less about the dinosaurs when when she was working there now it's funny because in the movie when they're in the prison cell a little bit later on, she gives this whole speech about the first time she sees dinosaurs. Now here, here's I'll get I'll def, I'll defend her. She was working at a big corporate job. Maybe she was really in love with dinosaurs when she first started, and then it became a job, and then she saw them as pieces of property, not animals. That could have been happened. That was not talked about. That was not referenced. There was no character development that that could have happened. And I think that's why it's hard because all of a sudden she's shifted to like this advocate for animals. Um, but again, in this scene, uh, Chris Pratt's character says, leave him," And, and she's pushing for it. So like constantly throughout the movie, they're having, there's this conversation of what to do with these dinosaurs rescue or no. And we'll get into that more. All right. Let's get to the rescue operation. Um, oh, before we do that, the, the cute kid, um, her character's name is Maisie Lockwood. We'll get back to her. Uh, but. Love her. Love her. Amazing performance. Probably what, the best. Who is the actress? The actress is Isabel. Isabella Sermon. Um, amazing. Amazing. So good. 
Um, so basically, uh, Claire brings along two of her um, volunteer slash employees at the Save Dinosaur Foundation or whatever it's called. Um, I, when we get to the island, the volcano is ready to go uh, explode. There's a lot of military guys there. And our lead military guy in this movie, or lead hunter, or whatever kind of brooding character you want, uh, is Ken Wheatley, played by Ted Levine. Now, I want to I want to bring up his IMDb because this is this is where it starts to get crazy. Ted Levine, you know him as Buffalo Bill in um, Silence of the Lambs. That's his probably one of the, his most famous roles. This guy's an amazing actor. Um, he was in Shutter Island, uh, Wild Wild West. He is. I believe he is a FBI agent in Fast and Furious, the first movie. The crossover has begun. And so the crossover has begun. You can make a connection. His role in Fast and Furious is Sergeant Tanner. He helps He helps Paul Walker's character um, get integrated into the underground scene of racing. The first Fast and Furious? The first one. Um, so... If you listen to our episode with Zach Hall uh, with some outside opinions, we talked about the crossover, the universal crossover of Fast and Furious Much and needed. Jurassic Park. This is the beginnings of that crossover. There's some character crossover. It's gonna happen. It's gonna. And I happen. just feel like it. I feel like it's okay now. Like as a as a mega fan of yeah. the Jurassic Park franchise, the Jurassic Park franchise has jumped the shark so uh, so clearly that it's okay to do a crossover like this. It's not ridiculous. You could say it's almost cried raptor tears. <laughs> that might make me the new jump the shark. Uh, we'll get there. Um, so <laughs> we're on the island. Um, uh, we're going to rescue the animals. This whole sequence of them on the island is fast. Like I was really confused. I yeah. thought the movie, I thought we were on a, another Jurassic Park 3. I thought this movie was going to be over quick. Because um, we're looking for the dinosaurs, quickly quickly we learn that the military grade equipment gentlemen are not there for the benefit of the animals. They are there to capture them as property, um, which is pretty obvious pretty quick. Um, when uh, Ken Wheatley, our our lead military guy, hunter guy, uh, quickly betrays Owen um, while he's trying to capture Blue. Um, Let's talk about um, Blue and, and Owen and their connection um, throughout the movie. What did you think of that? Um, did you like it? Did you? I see where they were going. They were trying to build this emotional connection to Blue. It was all about Blue getting Blue's DNA to build a certain creature um, that we're, we're going right. to meet later. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's okay. I mean... It, Obviously, there's a connection that that Owen's trying to tap into from his time raising her. They do more development in trying to expand the timeline from which we understand uh, that Owen, um, you know, it. They make it seem that Owen has known Blue since con- since Blue hatched from an egg, and uh, they have all these cute little kind of like when you have a puppy and you take all these videos and then you look back on them later on or these home videos with your kids or whatever that's basically what they have they have a bunch of home videos between owen and this rapper. a lot of home video footage like we saw probably too a little too much of that home video they footage. were all on I, i'm sure they were all on those tiny little vhs's too. i know <laughs> oh the mini dvs or whatever they're yeah, called oh yeah. those are classic 
uh, yeah, it, we'll get into it a little bit further, but um, I get what, again, your baseball analogy is starting to really work because they, they went for it, but it just felt a little forced. I felt like they missed it. But Blue's a great dinosaur character. The shift to the T-Rex to Blue becoming actually the lead character is very obvious. More so than the T-Rex. We've kind of used that as a kind of a vague idea of a main character because the T-Rex is kind of the focal point of every movie when kind of the climax of the movie when the T-Rex appears. But for me, in these Jurassic World movies, Blue is the main character by far. Not even It's not even close, especially this movie cemented it for me. Yeah, it's... <clears throat> Blue think... and Owen are the two main connectors. I think that you could... I guess her screen time's on. I mean, I think Maisie is almost the most important character, but um, yeah, she probably will yeah. be. She will be. Let's talk about the two side characters on the good guys team. Again, we always have teams of bad and good. Uh, we have Justice Smith, who played Franklin, and then Danielle Pineda, who played Zia. Zia is a paleo doc, doc, paleo doctor, paleo veterinarian, Vet- veterinarian. <laughs> which like she says a line. <clears throat> excuse me, where she she sees a bronchiosaurus or a brachiosaurus or whatever it is, uh, and she says, I never thought I would see one. I'm like, you're like a paleo vet veterinarian. Did you go to college for that? or Must have gone to college for that, and uh, you wanted probably work at Jurassic World, and you never thought you would see one of these things? She mentions it while they're at the offices. is like, oh, I didn't, I didn't have enough money to go to Jurassic World. But like they didn't have like study programs. But I, I interesting that a uh, I want to I want to know what university offered that uh, that major. That that'd be interesting. Her character had a couple good quips. I appreciated it. She offered some uh, kind of dialogue to help explain why all the dinosaurs hadn't died. She said that basically they've been able to feed on their own devices. So basically they're able to still yep. stay alive. Good plot, Carrie. That was good. Yep. That was yep. nice. Um, I like Franklin. He was basically there to scream and make funny jokes. Yes. Um, good for him. Uh, he was a fun character. Uh, interesting because the, the, the Pokeballs from <laughs> Jurassic <laughs> World came back in, in this movie. And uh, he, Justice Smith's uh, character, Franklin, was, it was in the Pokeball, especially when it went over the ledge on the island. He also played uh, in the most recent Pikachu movie. Oh. So there's a little Pokemon crossover wow. between the two. Uh, Is that a universal property? I don't believe so. So there could, there could I, be a Pokemon. I think there should be a Pokemon crossover with this because it makes more sense, actually. Uh, pocket monsters, dinosaurs, uh, animal rights stuff. Genetic stuff. I mean, yeah. these, these animals are literally fighting each other. Oh, and you, it's basically like cockfighting. Like, yeah. 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 Po- so basically what the idea is, because at the end of this movie, the dinosaurs get free. Spoiler alert. We'll get there. The idea is in maybe 40 years, basically, we're living in, because they're, they're human, created by human genetics, exposed to pollution, all these other radioactivity. things, radioactivity. There, all these weird species are created, i.e. With superpowers. Pokemon are yes. created. Yeah. Wow. Uh, studio execs. The money is there. All you need to do is take I'm not going to lie. Uh, I saw a preview for Jungle Cruise, which uh, I don't think it's going to be good, but I will 100% buy a ticket to it. Um, I will buy two tickets to the Pokemon Jurassic Park crossover. I will order them right now. So there's a clip where Owen is 
is shot with a tranquilizer. He's he's left left quote unquote for dead, and a triceratops licks his face, which I think is pretty funny. Yep. And then he's sneaking away from the lava. This was a really interesting scene. It, it felt very slapstick, but the music was also very like ominous. Yeah. Like I didn't know whether to laugh or to be right. scared for our, our character. You know, it reminded me of in the Wolf of Wall Street when he's so drugged up and he's crawling to the Lamborghini. I feel like that is this scene right yeah, here. Yeah, because he's he's twitching because his his body hasn't come back. It almost feels like that. It's 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 very it's it's quite interesting. That's not the first time he gets like mucus on his face. That when they're trying to uh, get blood from the T Rex, he also gets mucus on yeah, his face. Yeah, his face was not well taken care of. Like we don't have beats for comedy, but it's very comedic. It, it's yeah. What are they gonna do? Play like like some slapstick music? You over can't. It? But this is this is comedy. This is Chris. I mean, he's he is. This is physical. This is con- Andy Dwyer. It's it, this is like the, like look at he's it's it's amazing the physical comedy of of that scene. The, what gets me is the first leg kickover. Yeah, I mean it's it's brilliant comedy. Uh, by Chris Pratt. It's one of my favorite scenes now. I, looking back at it, I love it. And I was confused because it was hilarious. But it was just, it was a little bit funky in this movie, especially with his character. Um, and then there's another scene as they're trying to escape. So basically, the lava is coming in. Um, and basically, the old park that we know is, 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 is going to melt. And I did really like how. Um, we're just kind of watching some of these scenes now, but there is a thread of that they kept alive from the first movie to this movie of the the park systems yes. playing a major role. That's true because I, the I only that was cool. the only reason that Claire was there because they needed to access the park systems to find Blue. Yep. And I, I did like that. That was a nice. I, it was a nice motivation to get Claire there. Now whether Claire should have done a little bit more back checking of like why she was being brought in that that's a whole nother story. One of my favorite lines in, in the, probably the whole movie is is right as as Franklin and Claire are trying to escape the little bunker that they're in to access the computers, and uh, a dinosaur comes out of the tunnel. It's very scary. There's lava going on. Claire, what do we do? What do we do? It's stuck. Chair. I do like how the answer to what do we do is chair. Chair. Uh, that that just I don't know why that made me laugh. Uh, a good little sequence. Um, I thought they had good chemistry together as kind of a, a, a duo that's trying to escape. That looks like a Herman Miller like or Steelcase chair. Sure yeah, I think it was uh, spared no expense, Mike. Oh right, yes, Def- of course, definitely. yeah. Uh, so we're getting off the the island. The lava is flowing. Um, are are these three kind of come together as? All the dinosaurs were running. This was in the trailer. It was a big sequence of them running with the volcano exploding in the background. Pretty cool. I, I liked it. it. You saw the dinosaurs running, and, and they got in the Pokeball. Yep. Um, really great action sequence. I think this is probably the, one of the best sequences of the movie um, from an excitement standpoint. I think I was confused because I was like, I think the movie's almost over here. Like, We're, we're right, getting off right. the island. Like The island's gone it's I melted i could definitely see how like having not seen it before you would feel that way because i f- 
I seem to remember when I was in the theater, I felt similarly that, oh, we're just here to rescue the animals and that doesn't seem to be an option anymore. Uh, so therefore the movie's over. And, and it's another one of those moments where you're like, okay, the movie's over. And then, no, no, we no, have another no, hour and a half. Yeah, hour um, and a half. We get to finally see the red T-Rex, the punk rock T-Rex from... Very, not exactly the same, but similar from Jurassic Park. I think that's the reason three. why he wasn't in any scenes is you know he's a little bit too cool. To yeah, be he's like in this. this is a big budget movie. I'm right. like I'm totally like not about this. Trying to stick it to the man. And then the old girl comes out, our our lovely T Rex, the savior of our heroes from the last movie. She gives a nice roar with the with the volcano exploding in the background, very much kind of trailer um, trailer vibes there. Um, we get on boats. Now, I was really disappointed because as we were leaving the island, uh, it's kind of the lava is going. Um, basically, all these dinosaurs have been captured. Not all of them, but a lot of them have been captured. I assumed our serial killer from The Lost World was going to make another appearance. Yeah. Like, I was I was watching the trailer that said, it's been, it's been 25 years <laughs> since he last came home. Like, like I'm thinking of, like, uh, return of michael myers like trailer like it's been 25 years since he last killed if i wasn't if i was a on, crew on a boat that also included a dinosaur if i was one of the like paid lackeys on that boat that's all i would be thinking about is how there's still a serial killer on the loose from the last time we tried to transport dinosaurs on a boat this could happen again it could happen again uh if you're confused right now but listen to our second episode on the lost world it will all make sense it's very very logical and it makes sense uh one of the the worst scenes in the movie movie from an emotional standpoint was the the uh, brontosaurus looming shadow on the dock as it is burned from the lava and heat of the smoke i mean they really try to pull the heart strings brutal and they in the in the first Jurassic world they were all slaughtered um, by the Indominus Rex. So they are just, they are really like the soft, cuddly dinosaurs that they use for those big emotional moments. But I thought that was a great kind of sequence from an emotional standpoint. Again, it's that question of should we let these animals die? Yes. Okay. So we are on the boat. Um, our heroes are trying to save Blue. Blue's been shot. When Blue was taken, she was shot with a firearm. Um, she's bleeding. Uh, Claire hemorrhaging and, blood. Hemorrhaging blood is the medical term, and uh, Claire and Owen need to go get blood from the T Rex. There's a fun little sequence of them trying to extract blood from the T Rex. You're a paleo veterinarian, and you are entrusting the 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 acquiring of the blood to two people who uh, one is a former Navy SEAL dude guy. And the other that one, trains animals. Yeah, trains animals. <laughs> Expert in animal behavior. <laughs> and the other one uh, worked at a blood drive once. Yes, and, yes. <laughs> and Classic it's Claire. Like, She's like, yeah, oh, I, I worked at a blood drive. I just have a, I just have no understanding of like why uh, that paleo veterinarian, I don't even know her name. Zia. Zia. I don't know. I don't have an understanding of why she needed to remain with Blue. It's called delegation, Mike. Delegation is key <laughs> in those situations. I think her justification is I'm supposed to be on the boat. If the bad guys come, I'm supposed to be on, I'm supposed to be with Blue, and I don't want if I'm not there, then we will get found out. It made for a fun little sequence with the T Rex as Claire 
and Owen try to extract blood from the T-Rex. Then the moment we've all been waiting for, uh, the raptor tear. <laughs> Mike, your thoughts on Blue crying a single tear. I just thought of Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire. And I honestly, I'm so upset about this stupid two-second shot in Jurassic World. Easily could have been cut. I mean, it... We had the emotion. I understood what was happening. But the fact... I want to fight the production team. Okay, I'm going to make an incision in her leg to remove the bullet. It's a lot of muscle tissue. I don't know why. They were sh- focusing on the eye. They didn't need to. So this is cutting between our our young actress uh, who's playing uh, Maisie. She is very good at sneaking around this old house. She finds kind of the research that's happening, all the things that the bad guys are doing. Um, she's watching home videotapes of <laughs> Owen with blue and they're them interacting we're seeing more emotional connection the, the the emotional connection behind blue and owen and that these raptors are not only very intelligent creatures they show emotion almost like your dog that just barked shows yeah. emotion yes um has your dog whose name is cassius has he ever cried a tear a single tear i don't recall him ever crying a single tear um, I want to move on because this okay. is such a okay. frustrating okay. part of the movie. So let's it's talk about just... some fun stuff. So, <laughs> um, uh, Maisie uh, finds uh, Doctor Wu, uh, who is returned, who is also working uh, with uh, Millis to create an even more scary creature. Um, basically, the idea is that they're going to sell off the dinosaurs rescued from Isla Nublar. And they are going to re- fund a project to create a weapon, a weapon that is even more intense than our last crazy weapon. Um, not the Dominus Rex, the Indoraptor, which is what is it? It is it is a so the, the T Rex. Indomin- yeah, the Indominus Rex is some mixture of uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex and Velociraptor, and then the Indoraptor is. Uh, Velociraptor and Indominus Rex. It's it. I would call this overbreeding. Yeah, like it, that's what it feels like. And there's a great scene where she's down in the catacombs and she's stepping back, and the creepy hand of the Endo Rapper comes out of the cage, and and she discovers that this is happening. I could have um, it wrong. Maybe there's another species that they've bred into this. I, it's a little confusing. Because they have the gold streak, too, that goes through the... Yeah, I, I don't really care because to <laughs> me, to and I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but really I don't because I think it is interesting because basically it is it is a scary science experiment. Like, it's not even an animal. Like, right. it is an overbred, patched-together sequence of DNA. It, it's a... Doctor Wu is very proud of it, which is another thing that we'll, we'll get into. Um, 
So our crew is, apparently there is a inland body of water coming up through Northern California that goes right to the house, which is very convenient. Um, our crew uh, is still on the boat. Stowaways. Still. Stowaways. Um, they try to get off. They get captured. <laughs> Franklin gets um, gets a job. Yeah. On the team, which is great. Uh, it's yeah. great for him uh, to, to diversify uh, his he resume. He was complaining about his last job, so yeah. it makes sense. It makes sense that he would like to diversify his resume. Um, so they're captured, and they're in the holding cell. Um, shall we move on to the <laughs> the a, a dinosaur fashion show? As yeah, I like this it. was like this. Was, it felt like I was watching Zoolander a little bit. It was. It definitely was Zoolander. Or like Devil Zoolander. Wears Prada or you know, something of that ilk. And they were just trotting out these dinosaurs. And I I just found it odd that there would be any any reason for somebody to buy one of these. You know what I mean? Like, I know that they're saying that they have pharmace- ph- pharmaceutical reasons, they have agriculture reasons, they have these reasons, but just like, you literally know nothing about this yeah it's, it's not like it's a t-rex or or it's not like it's a tiger or a lion I right mean, it's, and, it's and it's clearly illegal so you can't buy it for like a zoo and put it on display yeah it's it's very very interesting uh toby jones plays mr eversole toby J- jones is an incredible actor love him unbelievable character actor uh i love him in tinker taylor soldier spy i mean he is an unbelievable actor one of the best um, kind of fun character actors that in in a lot of movies and TV shows that I enjoy, he's totally wasted as his character. He does a great job, but like he's basically the middleman who gets all these buyers. Um, I thought you could have done a little bit more with his character. I like the character. I thought it was a good, interesting choice. I would have rather had him have a bigger character than have yeah. Lockwood exist or even have Millis exist. Right. Like, Again, sometimes Jurassic Parks falls in the, into this trope because there's there's almost not one main lead character, main lead villain. They end up having a lot of intermediaries, and it becomes clustered, and the motivations for the characters are, are discombobulated. Right. Uh, is there one of those dinosaurs that you would have bought, um, and how would you use it? Well, I don't know all the dinosaurs that they sold. They sold what? They said they had 11 species to sell. Um, I probably would have, if I had to buy one, I probably would buy one that wasn't going to kill me. Um, there was a, there was like an armored dinosaur. This is a herbivorous quadruped. This one. Late Cretaceous. carnivorous This is one of the largest armored dinosaurs. Armored dinosaur. Known by paleontologists. I feel like I could outrun this thing. I feel like that's the important part. Like, if I'm going to own a dinosaur, I need to be able to outrun it. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing is because they bury the lead because they bring out the um, Indoraptor, and the big selling point and why those guys are like twenty million is because you can train it. Yeah. None of these other ones you can train. Right. You got to like these people from Russia. That of course it's like yes, a Russian buys it. But but <laughs> the the thing about that Indoraptor is they actually can't train that one yet. Because they need Blue's DNA that shows that there's uh, behavioral characteristics. Attachment and things like that. Yeah. I really like how Claire and Owen get out of their... 
I would say very kind of chic prison cell. Very nice, like almost like mid-century brick. Uh, they yeah. get the... The architecture is very it's nice. It's a very nice architecture. They get the, um, shall we call it the um, hammerhead uh, dinosaur to also, bust its way through the I'm brick. I'm very suspicious of any person that has that large of a prison underneath their estate. Okay. Hey, hey you! Look at me! Look at me! Professional animal trainer. Hey yes. you, look at me. <laughs> so this kind of begins the sequence of, of chaos, um, to 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 quote Ian. Our Lord and Savior Ian Malcolm. <laughs> uh, this is where kind of it, it starts to get hectic. Um, the Indoraptor gets out, and uh, let's just say people go down pretty quick. Yeah the the Raptor the Indoraptor is is not waiting for explanations. Um, it, it it's ready to. I th- probably hasn't eaten in a while. No, it has not eaten, and it is very, very, very. This angry. thing is terrifying. I I love it. I and this is where it's funny because like, um. They 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 really kind of build it up and 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 make it even more dark. I love the line that um. It's probably my favorite line that. Millis says is because they're not supposed to sell the Indoraptor. Wu makes right, it very right. clear, and then Wu comes up to him and says. What are you doing? Why are you selling? And he says, if you want to create an addict, give him a taste. Uh, let me tell you, the Indoraptor is the definition of cocaine. I thought that dinosaur. the taste was there are 11 species for sale. And I'm going to show you this prototype. Oh, I was I was almost... Okay, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I, agree, I agree with you with what, with, with what you're saying. Like, he says that about the Indoraptor or whatever. But... I I'm disagreeing with him and saying that's not the taste. Like you're actually giving away. You're giving away too your much. biggest your biggest thing. No, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so he goes way off, and and I really love probably the last twenty minutes. Well, the last twenty minutes besides the last scene, but the last twenty minutes of the movie is very exciting. Um, we have the Indoraptor kind of going throughout this mansion um hunting uh claire owen and our beautiful young actress actress that plays Maisie. it's it's terrifying i mean so many great shots of it shadowed um even of the sequence when they're in kind of the library that also is a a weird kind of museum to dinosaurs um and you see it like scurrying in the background i mean it's it's quite terrifying and it's funny because we we talked about this with zach i almost was and i hadn't seen this movie before and i talked about at the end of that episode that if i was going to see a one-off Jurassic Park kind of in the world of Jurassic Park I would want to see a thriller based kind of yeah movie where 
uh, Raptor gets out into the to the world, there's almost like a Friday the 13th where there, there's a Raptor and a right. bunch of people staying at a cabin. And this kind of felt like that. Yeah, it did. I really like this scene and this sequence and, and everything that's kind of happening at the estate at this time. Um, I don't like how we got here, but I did think that this was... I mean, this was fun. This part, this part of the movie was pretty fun, and I thought that, um, yeah, I, I I wanted more of this. Yeah, it, it almost was like I the first half I didn't really need almost like I didn't even need to go back to the island. I mean, there is some nostalgia there, but I didn't need to. Um, Ken, our hunter guy, gets killed. Um, we did. Sorry to, to go, go back to that. You know what it felt like? It felt like Jumanji. Yes, it did. You're right. It did, it really did feel like Jumanji that and, first Jumanji kind of that because that that first Jumanji is scary. Yes, it's a scary movie, especially the spiders part, man. That stuff freaks me out. Uh, but but Ken gets killed. Um, we forgot to mention he collects dinosaur teeth. Just a again, all these like kind of characters you quirks, only, yeah quirks you just like need to double down as they're bad. Almost like the last guy who um, had his dog bite off his his ex-wife's hand or something like that what? remember that when was that he says it offhand he's like oh yeah i had a i had a I had a wolf that i raised oh, from birth vincent Den- Den- d'onofrio's yeah. character like they give him that throwaway line just to make sure that he really deserves to die same it's thing like, with dude, this guy you, like he, he you should he, be in jail for domestic he, violence he pulls teeth there used to be dinosaurs. some signs i used to go to this restaurant in the town i grew up in gross point Cross by Michigan. Woo woo. Um, anyway, there used to be these signs in this restaurant, and they were just like jokes or whatever. But it was like, I got a new gun for my wife last week. Best trade I ever made. <laughs> Did you say that joke last time we? Did I? <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> if you did, that means we've really made it as a podcast. If wow. you told the same stories, <laughs> that's when you know we've gone full circle. Uh, so everyone gets killed. All of our like baddies um toby jones character gets killed in the elevator that, that was a fun sequence um then we we learn the big twist of the movie um millis confronts our heroes you two you didn't deserve each other Maisie, come with me you got your money walk away oh what are you gonna do huh we're gonna stop this all of it how what, are you going to go back in time before Hammond decided to play God? You can't put it back in the box. We have to try. It's too late. Maisie, come. Oh, so you're going to take care of her now, huh? You have no idea what she is. What do you think drove Hammond and Lockwood apart, huh? Lockwood never had a grandchild. He just wanted his daughter back. And he had the technology. He created another. He made her again. He's 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 not taking the blame for anything. Like he, we we skipped over that he killed he killed Lockwood. I disagree with you. Um, he yeah we did skip over the yeah he he's he's righteous in his own eyes that's for sure. Yeah, but. I do think that he is really self-aware, and he calls Claire out on it. He is self-aware, yeah. That's, but it's not stopping him from trying to make money. No, but it might be like a little bit of an in too deep kind of thing here, because I think that that's how he felt about the why he killed Lockwood. Right? Is it like I don't yeah. have a choice? You, like, you made, I'm, I'm, yeah. So I'm choosing murder. 
Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just about he chose mur- murdering his boss. He does say his opening line is, "I started out working for the foundation." He was looking for someone that was young and, and idealistic. Idealistic, yeah. and I used to be, and I used to be. Yeah, interesting. We we know what his character is right away, yeah. uh, but he 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 reveals that Maisie is a clone of Lockwood's Spoiler. daughter. Spoiler alert. Uh, a huge twist in the in the franchise. Let's be real. This is a turning point of the franchise. They're bringing in, and they've they've hinted at what DNA sequencing could could do in the future. In the book, they mention it a lot. Like this is a slippery slope. We are at that slippery slope where there is actually a DNA clone or recreated person. Um, which and, which I thought they did a good job. And I know like thinking back through the movie and, and looking back through the movie is there's a lot of hints that she's a clone. She has these connection with dinosaurs. Um when she's watching the footage, she like turns her head like Blue does. They focus on her eyes a lot in the cinematography the same way they do as Blue and the dinosaurs. So they they do a lot of good things. Lockwood has uh this book that never gets opened. Eventually, it we does see seem that weird that like how, how old is this girl? She must be thirteen. Thirteen, years old. yeah. So I, it does seem weird that like the it's set up where um, the audience is told that like this is the granddaughter of Lockwood, right? Yeah. And this this thirteen year year old girl is orphaned and has never seen a picture of her mother. Yeah, which is they it's they like gloss over, but weird. it's super super weird. We did have a theory. I had a theory uh, before the t- this twist that her uh, parents, specifically her father, was Paul Walker's character from Fast and Furious, and uh, he perished in a car accident. Which, which they do say it was a car accident. Was, which uh, R.I.P. Paul Walker, the actor, but uh, uh, his his character in Fast. Further and Furious. setting up the Fast and Furious. Basically, the idea over. is I want to see Dom come in to try to rescue his his. Uh, his best friend's niece or daughter, right. yeah, his, uh, essentially his niece, right? Um, save the day. Um, I was waiting for Uncle Dom to show up in his car, um, and 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 fight off some dinosaurs. But one day Big it might Dom. happen. It, it, it might happen. But my theory was broken once we found out she was a clone. Uh, so Franklin uh, rescues uh, Zia. Um, Blue is back in the game. Um, Doctor Wu escapes again. I don't know what you think of Dr. Wu, but man, that guy can survive. This guy's messed up. Like he, he does deserve a death, right? He is the ultimate villain at this point. Um, he, in, in the, the further you without, go along, without the platform, he doesn't get like yeah. the platform. To, like I, th- I think that's what I am disappointed about this movie is I actually thought Dr. Wu was going to be much more prevalent. I thought Dr. Wu was going to be more of what Millis's character is. You would kind of think that, so what's interesting about Dr. Wu is it's very clear that he doesn't want the platform. He just wants to do research. And because otherwise he would have, I mean, he probably would have climbed a ladder or obtained some yeah, power or influence. Yeah. Like, it's very clear that he's just like, no, I just want to do my research. I mean, I'm reading into the character a little bit, but it, it's it, very clear yeah. that he just wants to do the research, but he needs the money for it. So he, he, he wants to, to cr- tie yeah, himself yeah. to these benefactors of these wealthy people these yeah. corporations yeah 
I'd like to see a Dr. Wu that is not as polished. I would like to see Dr. Wu working underground using black market. Like in the next movie, that's what I want to see him. Like he's working underground black market. He's not all like put together. He's like to really show that he's addicted to the work. You know what it could be like that would never work as a movie, but I think I I could see like a two season Netflix show on that. Um, set up in kind of, like almost like a Breaking Bad kind of thing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, oh, I would love that because right? I think he's an underused character because he has such rich source material and he's just kind of thrown in there. And it's very like it. They talk about you know where they drilled into the amber very first underneath this house way back in the day. Like it's clear like Doctor Wu's been in, involved in this from the start. So I do think that there's some lane of the origins that are exploring of the origins of, of Dr. Wu that kind of need to be, you know, dug up. Um, he clearly has some dinosaur bones in his closet, uh, that need to be explored. Yeah. He has some dinosaur bones. Uh, maybe we will get the Dr. Wu storyline fleshed out in the next one. I doubt it. I think he's probably going to be used and abused like he is in every single music movie. Um, which is, it's there's too many characters there's just the, too many yeah. that's the problem they can't focus on one uh a couple more things to, that i put out my notes um i love some dumb waiter action i love dumb waiter action sequence i think i love the whole house sequence there's i like how she was able to get around the house i like when they went on the roof yeah i love it, the tapping on the hardwood from the indo indo raptor i mean it, it felt was, home alone it did it did like she knew her way around it uh it was it was a great sequence. All of that was just so well done. There's a there's a shot in this movie in Fallen Kingdom where she's trying to close the dumb waiter door, and it, I think it's a callback to the first movie. Oh, when where they're when in the she, kitchen and they're trying the, yeah. to close the the door of one of the cabinets, and the raptor sees what's actually the reflection, rams into it, and then they realize okay that was I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that it, that whole sequence was really good, and it did kind of it, it again like I talked about with our episode with Zach. It reminded me of that kitchen scene. Yeah, at a bigger scale, um, and a little bit more stakes. I, I, I Owen and uh, Claire really attached to uh, uh, Maisie's character. You could say maybe it's this weird connection with Blue and the DNA and. Uh, they're they're making a connection there. Um, what's happening while we have this horror sequence is Franklin and Zia realize that um, the gas is leaking, um, the HVAC system's not working, and the dinosaurs are all going to suffocate. Um, so it's it could this could be the end of the dinosaurs as we know it in this old house. Um, what actually happens is uh, Blue comes to save the day against the Indorex, uh, which is kind of expected. It's the hero moment. Um, Blue defeats the Indorex with, uh, I mean, really a, a Hail Mary of a jump on the back of the of the kind of the glass ceiling. Yeah. Um, and the Indorex is impaled by the bones of a Triceratops. The Triceratops, again, uh, the kids were right. There needed to be more. Oh, no, the Stegosaurus. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I got all my dinosaurs mixed up. I kind of thought something I thought was cool, and I don't think it was a callback, but in my heart, it was a callback. The breaking of the glass. Um, I thought of the Lost World, where um, 
they fall on the glass of the catabus. Yes. And <laughs> and and they have to be really careful about where they stop. And like obviously the Indoraptor is like it makes more sense in this. I don't think it was a callback, but it just made me think about that. Yeah, it was, and that's what, such a great sequence in the in the franchise. So I'm, I think you you're connecting that this, there was moments in this movie that really, from a, a sequ- action sequence standpoint, that stood out to me a lot more than actually Jurassic World. And that's why I feel like I'm pretty conflicted in this movie. And we'll get kind of to wrap ups here as we get to the end. Um, so basically, what happens is. Uh, we're at the moment where it's our heroes are deciding whether to release the dinosaurs or let them basically suffocate. What would you do? If I was all of those people, I would have no connection to the dinosaurs because what has happened in the last four days or whatever, how long it is, is Mm -hmm. dinosaurs have been trying to kill me the entire time. They're like, they're not meant for this earth. In the moment, I don't know if I could do it. I would no remorse, man. I'm <laughs> I am not only am I not pushing the button, I'm pulling out a gun and threatening anybody that tries to come close to the button. Like this is ridiculous that and like they try to set it up like I don't even blame Maisie for this, okay? Because she's thirteen years old. What does she know? But like the 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 idea that she identifies with the dinosaurs just because she's a clone it's like no no no. there's a difference here like these are predators that want to harm other people like yeah that are out there to, to kind of quote ian malcolm like they're out of their time yeah they shouldn't be here right they shouldn't be here we cannot coexist with them right yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't blame her for doing it. And I think they they build this that she really loves dinosaurs and has a connection. So in in the movie logic, it makes sense that she would click them because she's connected to him. And she's experienced a lot of trauma and needs a lot of therapy. Cause everyone a lot in, like, of therapy. Because it turns out she's not who she thought she was. Well, here's, here's the deal. The lie is my parents died and I'm an orphan. That's the lie. <laughs> so she's being lied to. Then her grandfather gets killed by her basically older brother slash father figure. Yep. Your uh your your confidant, your your nanny, your nanny gets fired. Yep. Um the guy the guardian, your um your legal guardian is a supervillain. Yeah, a supervillain. Yeah. And uh and only wants you because of the value you have as a clone, as a clone. not as a human being. And then uh, you have this connection with Chris Pratt's like chiseled jaw, and uh, and he almost dies. I mean, pretty rough. Pretty rough. Uh, I would love couple, if couple... Dominion start like the opening scene of Dominion was the end of her therapy, one of her therapy sessions. And she's like she's like eighteen now, and she's going to like she's going to like Cal Berkeley. And she and Doctor Sadler is not, has a PhD in psychology. <laughs> Or something, you know, something like, and and she's like talking through some things. And then when she leaves, you know, she goes to like Thanksgiving dinner with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. And then I could um, see that, you know, just that would be good. That would be good. That, yeah. Like, I want to know that she's OK. At yeah. least she's gotten she's been able to um, look back and kind I, of process. Because, because the thing is, 
coming out of this movie, I don't know if the writers feel the same way, but as an audience member, like she is the star. She she, she had has the best be. performance out of out of everyone in the movie, not just of the kids. Like I think that I I honestly believe that this is the best kid performance in the entire franchise. It might be. It it's up there. That we've had mostly good really good ones, a couple great ones, and this is in one one bad one. It could be recency bias, seeing as how I saw the movie uh since we've started recording, you know, only you know, however long it's been. Yeah. Um, very like, recent. Very very much recency bias here, but gosh, I even in the first twenty seconds that she was in this movie, I turned to you and I said her first 20 seconds in this movie are better than every so every childhood scene in the previous movie. She's great, and she works well with the camera. She's really cute, but has a lot of emotion. Um, she, I really love that the, they never do this in movies. When she comes from the dumbwaiter and first interacts with, 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 with Claire and Owen, she is shocked. She's crying. She barely can talk. That is amazing yes. direction because that's how it should be, and that's what a child should be feel like right and she's very cautious in like she has trust issues trust issues which of course she would and yeah. she's in shock uh that's that's done really well it's just like so funny that like her care like and and the really cool thing is the kid character there was one kid and the kid did not go to the island i th- assumed right away when her nanny couldn't find her in the house that she had gotten on to the plane to go to the island like i was like oh yeah they're they're doing a lost world and they didn't so kudos to them gosh i don't know where they're gonna go from here because they have to have her as the, the central point i think that she she provides a, a great bright spot a great foundational building block and then they can bring in i'm, I'm worried about dominion and we may have an episode where we analyze when they release a trailer for Dominion or something. But I think we will. But and we can theorize and decipher and excavate and all all that stuff. But I do think that I am a little bit worried for Dominion based on the cast list I'm seeing because I think to Zach's point, they're really going to rely on nostalgia, and I don't think that that's whole wholly bad, but I do think that they need to flesh her storyline out more she needs to to play uh, a role in in how this experience and everything that she knew about life and how that's totally gone is going to inform however she interacts with the dinosaurs for the rest of her life yeah it's going to be really interesting because if they bring back the trinity from the first one in a big way there's just it's there's almost too many characters yep that's what i'm worried about there's like going to be too many characters. Almost what the 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 Star Wars re- reboot film struggled with. I was just gonna say that. Um, yeah. That's that's what I'm a little bit little bit worried about. The thing with our, this franchise, though, there's not as like many kind of fan service things that they need to do as Star Wars. Like they don't need to do the Han Solo fan service stuff. Like they could. It would have to. It's gonna have to be really well written. Well, to make it work, I don't know who's writing it, but I think uh, Colin uh, Trevorrow is, is directing. He's got to be, in, yeah, involved. I think he's more than just producing. I think he is directing. I'm not 100 percent certain, but we'll find out. He's got a tough job ahead of him. Um, anyways, so we have to to, to mention that the old girl is back uh, at right at the end, more of a cameo, less of a hero moment. Um, she is able to kill Millis um, as he's hiding under his car. Um, 
she comes in with our punk rock t-rex yeah um and break him in half which is fantastic that punk rock t-rex was just finishing up listening a listening session for like blink 182 yeah or like just put just like kid a Radiohead. just put the headphones down got back into the game and then we have oh man you know what chris pratt i gotta give him a little bit of grace because he is act his most emotional scenes is acting with basically cgi So far, it's good. I'm okay. Then I then I started to get a little bit of uh, lassie vibes. I mean, old yeller. Luke, come with me. Luke, come with me. It's just I can't. Uh, how can you be that bad at writing? Blue, come come with me. Like when you're Chris Pratt, with me, baby. I feel like okay. So I listen. I mean, it's 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 a little. There's there's some there's some sexual tension between him. And I Luke. I was listening to a sports podcast the other day, and they asked a pl- a former basketball player. Um, they were talking about coach game plans. Okay, hey, your coach gives you a game plan, and you know that it's not going to work. Okay. Uh, do you tell the coach straight up like this is not going to work like I know this guy he's a dead eye shooter like it, we got to change the game plan and the, this player was like no no you follow the game plan to a T even though you know it's not going to work because you're going you're what you're hoping is that the coaching staff sees how bad of a game plan it is and changes it and I think what Chris Pratt was doing here was he got the script and he saw how bad that line was, and he was like, "You know what? I'm just gonna act it out, and they'll they'll notice how bad it is, and then they'll they'll say like, oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah that yeah, that yeah, was bad.' And then they didn't say that, and so he's stuck with this stupid freaking line. It's 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 really bad. I mean, to, because like, I when we were watching it, I was really frustrated because I was like, I I was at that point, I was like, you know what? I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the last 40 minutes of that movie. That was fun, exciting. It was very Jurassic Park, but it was also like moving forward in an interesting way. Uh, And then it, boom, took it out of me. Um, Come with me. Come with me, baby. We'll get out of here. (laughs) Forget everything. It's just you and me on the road. takes out a guitar and starts singing to her. It's just you and me in my cabin. Living our life out on the range. Like, it almost felt like a horse movie. Or, it, like I said, like Old Yeller or something. Um, then we have a great little sequence at the end here with Jeff Goldblum's character, Ian Malcolm, narrating as the dinosaurs enter into our world. And our home has, in fundamental ways, been polluted by avarice and political megalomania. Genetic power has now been unleashed. And of course, that's going to be catastrophic. This change was inevitable from the moment we brought the first dinosaur back from extinction. We convince ourselves that sudden change is something that happens outside the normal order of things, like a car crash, or that it's beyond our control, like a fatal illness. We don't conceive of sudden, radical, irrational change as woven into the very fabric of existence. The pterodactyls are flying on the coast, and the T-Rex confronts the lion at a zoo, 
and blue is looking over which looks like uh the valley in la and uh ian malcolm says the line welcome to jurassic world yeah this is just setting up i think where dominion is supposed to be going yeah where the dinosaurs are out and this is the way life is now um and how do you feel about it? I, i'm at this point I'm accepting it. It needed to go here if the movies were going to continue to, to be made, and I, I'm okay with it. I almost wonder if there's going to be like an element to this where you know how like we have like hunting seasons for like certain animals yes, as population animals. control. So I feel like there's going to be. I wonder if there's going to be an element where, um, you know, hey, Triceratops or Velociraptors or whatever is just the pop. The population is crazy, so we have a hunting season for for these things but the difficulty is how do you t- you can't tell the velociraptors that there's no that there's a hunting season for humans you know like every yeah, every it's, season it's gotta is, be so, fair so I, <laughs> it's gotta be fair uh well it, it could be where where you have it like there's issues with you know coyotes wolves bears going into like farming properties killing off mm. um cattle goats which the goat does come back and get slaughtered Poor very goats. quickly wow i mean just really hate the goats uh so i could it's see a very that. anti-goat movie the whole franchise is anti-goat yeah, and, anti-goat I, and goat i don't milk. i don't appreciate it someone had a bad goat milk experience they, they must have how are we feeling about jurassic world colon fallen kingdom i think it is um soli- solidly the worst movie in the franchise because hmm. I have issues with Jurassic Park 3 which I think is the second worst movie in the franchise but my issues with it um, I just don't feel like are as they aren't as high I don't know I don't have as many issues the great thing and I think we've appreciated going back and watching Jurassic Park 3 because it's a very tight movie it's a yep. short it's a fun ride and it, the stakes are much lower yep um, it's not about the like. It's not about the greater island. It's not about the corporation. It's basically a rescue mission. And you have you have some really good char- characters too. And the foil characters aren't bad either. I, I think that the the issue I have with this movie is I think that like I just it, it's not something. The adhesive is not holding the pieces together. No. And and it's really that, the, I think that's what's difficult. I've never walked out of a movie. I'm sorry. There's one other movie I've walked out of. Uh, as mad as I was. It was Chernobyl Diaries. I think that's the worst movie I've ever paid to see. Um, don't watch it. I've but, never heard of that movie. Yeah. Me and Christian went and saw it. Shout out to Christian if you're listening. But me and Christian went and saw Chernobyl Diaries when we were in high school. Chernobyl Diaries? Yeah. What do you, I didn't even know what yep. it is. Just, you, you don't need to. So as the credits rolled, I stood up in the aisle and I audibly said, well, in a moment of silence, that was a waste of money, and I walked out of the theater. And every, I assure everyone you, everyone could hear me. Everybody, everybody heard me, and everybody agreed. So, but anyway, I, I just was so frustrated as a fan of this franchise, of like what they were, what they were doing with it. And it was just, I mean, I got it. Like it was a money grab. Like it was a highly successful movie, but it was just frustrating. I think you've 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 talked to me about this before. Is Jurassic World is fun. It's well made. It's heavily relying on nostalgia. It's what I want. It's enjoyable. We all kind of wanted it in the moment. Um, This, but it should have stopped. 
Because now you're at a point in a franchise where you're pushing the limits of the storyline because you have to. Yep. Uh, your source material is, you're way far from your original source material. You are now creating new things within the franchise lore, within the storylines. You're trying to piece together characters and plot lines um, and make new ones. Uh, we're now moving into a territory where, quote unquote, Jurassic Park, the franchise, is becoming less of a adventure movie slash commentary on corporate greed and science. And now we are we're getting to the point where it could be a full-on sci-fi fantasy franchise. Yeah. And if that's direct, if they go in that direction, then I just, I just ask that they go in that direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they're, they're trying to keep, they're trying to have, have both, yeah. have it both. Um, I, I would, man, it was tough because I, and this is going to be a recency bias because I, we literally just watched it and I had never seen it before. I really enjoyed the, and I have a problem where I really enjoy movies right when I watch them usually. And then it's later on that I kind of am more critical they, yeah. or, or I, when I rewatch stuff, I'm more yeah. critical. Um, the, the whole Indoraptor battling in, in, in the, in the house, the old house, that 30 minutes awesome. of them running around is, I would put that up there as one of my favorite sequences in yeah, the entire franchise. I would agree, yeah. In the entire franchise. I think it's one of the best conceptualized. It's scary. Um, there's some fun stakes. You're committed. You care about the child, yep. which is really important. Uh, so for me, that that has one of the best sequences in the entire franchise. Everything else is, is, it's hard. is hard. And, and we, 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 I, I think we talked about this, but I remember being in the theater... And 15 minutes in, when that congressman made his statement about why they weren't going to get involved, I was like, so why am I here for the rest of this? And and that's kind of why, that's like how I felt watching it. Yeah, and I don't know if the movie is telling you definitive one way or another. And that's why I think it does get lost in its own self and becomes more sci-fi. Because at the start, they're asking some pretty, I think, pretty interesting questions to show in a big budget movie. Um, how do we take care of animals that we know we can they cannot survive on this earth with humans the way we we do things right. like if humans continue to grow continue to go in different populations to continue to consume resources lions and elephants and all these animals cannot survive would 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 die out because their resources the way they live does not work right. um asking those questions are is really interesting and how does how does that interact with a species that was created by man that had gone extinct it goes back to the original movie condors condors if condors went extinct no one would say anything if i brought them back i would i would be people would be thrilled bring that into the the dinosaur aspect and when they're endangered with the islands blowing up what do you do they could have done more with that that but it almost feels like that's that's like a mini series, you know. Yeah. That's like, that needs to be on the Ian Malcolm podcast. Like that's like that's that's what, that's what the end of the movie is. Like we thought, like the end of the movie, that voiceover because it's tight to the mic and it's not like yeah, it doesn't feel like he's in a courtroom. That's basically the Ian Malcolm podcast. The, I mean, the Will Ferrell has the Ron Burgundy podcast, so there is some precedent for actors taking their characters into a podcast format. I know? would love it. I would love an Ian I Malcolm. Would, but I would I would love it for five episodes. 
Just do a one-off. Yeah. Yeah. Just do a one-off thing. You know what he should do? He should comment. He should spend one episode commenting on as if as if he's like um as if he's actually his character is really in that world and the movies are more like documentary documentaries to him. Oh, and he yeah. should comment on this is just what I want, but that would be really interesting. What they should do is do a promo for Dominion and have that be one of their promos. Yeah. Is have like a, a five episode podcast yep. that's the Ian Malcolm podcast and yeah. have that kind of set up the movie where he comments on all of the Jurassic World stuff. There's like there there's some really good podcasting journalism that's going on for st- like real like IRL stuff, right? Yeah. And and they're doing a good job of and this kind of goes back to when serial um started and serial did yeah, kicked like, off the, the the modern day podcast season yeah boom. season one of serial i think is universally accepted to be one of the greatest seasons of in podcast history yeah change change the game it sure did and um almost like that's how i want ian malcolm to do a podcast is to report on what happened yes and like do like a yes. anthology yes of, uh, of the entire yes. jurassic park the whole thing that would be, oh. I. If you're listening, Universal, that. I think that would be a, an get, incredible piece of marketing. Get Jeff Goldblum. How okay? So you could. It would be maybe a week of studio time, of three hours every day with Jeff Goldblum. He would read a script. Yes. He would read a script as Ian Malcolm. Right. And, and then, he he could bring on guests too. He could yeah. be like, I'm going to talk to my friend Alan Grant. Alan, yeah, your thoughts. And, yeah, and he would like interview Alan for fifteen twenty he would, minutes. Or you know, something. he would do. He would call. He would like call or zoom in Alan, and Alan's like in uh, Wyoming, and like yeah. Alan gets like, well, uh, sorry, Ian, I gotta go. We're, we're excavating. Like, it gets really kind of pissy with him, and then right. hangs up. That, yeah, that's 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 what we should, that. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah, I think it is a good idea. Man, maybe that's what this this podcast could turn into. Maybe. Give us a call, Universal. All right, before we forget and we wrap this up, uh, uh, what was your favorite dinosaur, and then what was your favorite human character? I think or my favorite. favorite I think my favorite dinosaur. This is probably um, this is probably too mainstream, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Indoraptor. It's new. Um, I think that it was a good dinosaur. It was terrifying. It did its job, and I I don't know. I appreciated. Uh, I appreciated that dinosaur more than the Indominus Rex. Yeah, we talked about scale with Zach in that episode about the scale of dinosaurs. I had a little bit of issue with with kind of like going bigger. Yeah, this felt a little bit more like going smarter, scared, smarter, and in smaller. Like it was yeah. it was more claustrophobic with the claws and the tapping. Yeah, I really appreciated it. Uh, what was it? Who was your favorite human character? If you if you had to pick one, I have to pick one, and I don't think it's I don't think it's much debate. I mean, it's it's Maisie, right? It's Maisie. It's gotta be Maisie. And I, yeah, I just I re- I'm really interested in her character. Yeah, we'll see where they go. We'll see if if her. I feel like there's got to be something with her DNA DNA sequence. I feel like they have to they go. Put, they put so much of it in there, but then again, they I mean they did stuff in the in Jurassic world that they totally scrapped. They said, forget it. We're not yeah. going to touch that. They could, I'd be interested to see if they fast forward in the timeline, like you said, where she's in therapy in, in, in therapy as a, as a college age kid. All right. My favorite dinosaur was probably, uh, the headbutt dinosaur. I don't know this name. Um, I, I thought they had a really fun sequence where it, 
broke. It did a little jailbreak. It was a, he was a funny dinosaur for sure. Um, and he attacked all at, at the the dinosaur fashion show. Uh, really helped kind of kickstart the chaos that happened in the in the final sequence. Of the the ragdoll effect of the people being thrown yeah, over the in room. the chairs and funny. everything. It was it was, it was fun. It was a good way to use a dinosaur to just kill off a bunch of evil people or hurt them severely. My favorite human character. Um, it's tough. I didn't know how I felt about Ted Levine's character. I thought he was maybe underused as kind of the military guy. Um, I thought Toby Jones' character could have been really good, but I felt like he was underused. So I'm going to go with uh, Justice Smith's character as Franklin Webb as the kind of the tech guy. Again, it's a throwaway character. Uh, It's a character that screams a lot. Um, He didn't add a ton to the plot line at all, but he was he had a couple funny lines um my favorite line of his was they were on the plane and uh what did did him and chris pratt were talking franklin webb systems analyst nervous flyer would you ride a thousand pound horse that's been abused all its life i rode my motorcycle through the jungle with a pack of raptors we're not compatible (laughs) great line so yeah, good. he had he had the best quips in the movie uh, that made me laugh out loud. So that's where he's uh, probably my, my favorite. Well, Mike, should we wrap up Fallen Kingdom? Uh, really interesting to watch this for the first time together. I think if I watched it again, I probably would be a little bit less starry-eyed with it, I'm assuming. But I still enjoyed it and I had a lot of fun. I think, if anything, more so than Jurassic World... I have a ton of questions of how they're going to, where they're going to go next because they've set up a lot of different things they could get, like they can move into. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I definitely enjoyed it the second time more than I did the first. I think I've had time to simmer down since I first saw it. Um, but yeah, I, I am, like you said, I'm interested to see where they take this. Um, I was content at ending with Jurassic world. And I think that's what kind of brewed my frustration for this movie. But yeah, it, overall, better than I expected for the second time. For the second time. Well, next time we talk, uh, we will not be doing a rewatch episode, but we'll be talking about Jurassic Park and its films. I'm really excited. It'll be the first time I've recorded an episode without understand without having seen the film. And Dominion will will be on the horizon. Again, we will have a few more episodes uh, just talking about the franchise and fans. Um, hopefully a few more guests um, leading up to Dominion. Um, it does come out next year, um, but we're sure there's going to be continue to be more content that comes out. Um, we will not probably go over the, the sneak peek that comes out with the Fast and Furious movie, but we will, as soon as there's an official trailer... Um, a canonized trailer that is open to the public. We will for sure talk about that as we get closer, as the the rumbling steps of Dominion come our way. Yeah, we may do a uh, an episode by episode rewatch of uh, Camp Cretaceous. Just kidding. <laughs> there's, there, you know what? There's other Jurassic Park podcasts on the internet that are doing the Lord's work in in watching all those. I don't know if that's gonna gonna be what we're about. We're about the films and what the films say. 
All right, Mike, we will talk very soon. All right. So you two, um, uh, uh, big up, big up, Dinosaur. Oh.